0: Jubilee Church Derby, a church family looking to make a difference across the city of Derby and beyond. This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. It's so good to be worshipping God with you this morning. Uh, we've really appreciated His presence. Uh, love the way that he's spoken to us and that we've spoken back to him and responded to him. Isn't it great to be the family of God together where we're not led just at the front, but actually God leads us by his spirit through his body and we all get to play, we all get to get involved. Now, I feel God's put a prophetic word on my heart for you. It's been stirred about over these last few weeks. Uh, it's something that I haven't spoken about before till this season, And uh, I'll tell you kind of why a little bit later, but if you've got a Bible, I wonder if you would turn to Isaiah, and uh, we're going to look at chapter 54. Now, Isaiah is one of my favorite books of the Bible. I've been doing a bit of study in Isaiah recently. It's quite fascinating as a book. There are 66 chapters in Isaiah. There are 66 books in the Bible. Isaiah is split into two books, book one and book two. Most theologians split that at end of chapter 39. There are 39 books in chapter one. There are 39 books in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament themes are pretty much picked up in those first 39 chapters. And then something amazing happens Chapter 40, it's a whole new book. Some people even think it's a different writer. It's that different. Some people have talked about two Isaiahs. That's kind of crazy, but it's, just, it's, a, it's different. Something happens in chapter 40, and for the next 27 chapters, and there are 27 chapters in the New Testament, Isaiah picks up New Testament themes. It starts off in chapter 40 exactly the same as John the Baptist starts the Gospels. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths. God is coming to us. God is going to do something new amongst us. And then we have four servant songs, songs of the Messiah. It's interesting that there are four gospels that sing the servant song, the songs of the Messiah. It kind of climaxes this Isaiah 40 to chapter 66, 40 to 66, those 27 books. It kind of climaxes in... 53. And we all know what Isaiah 53 is. It's the suffering servant who gives his life. It's all about the cross. It's all about the sins of the world laid on him. And then you get this amazing burst of energy that comes in Isaiah that talks about the glory of the Lord has risen. And guess what? He's risen over you. Christ is alive. It's just amazing. That's in chapter 60. Then in chapter 61, our friends from Jubilee, ex-Jubileers from Teesside Jubilee, the other Jubilee, um, we'll know Isaiah 61. It's all about the spirit of the sovereign Lord coming on us. And then it kind of finishes in 65 to 66, all about a new heavens and a new earth, just like Revelation. It's amazing. It's the gospel in miniature. It's the Bible in miniature. And we're going to look particularly at chapter 54, And the context of chapter 54 is that the people of God are under some pressure, they're under difficulty, they are in a sad and sorry place. I I felt the interpretation of the language that we had this morning, the heavenly language, the the tongue that was so magnificently brought to us by Naomi. And then the two, I thought, beautiful interpretations that totally locked together together from Cat and Tim, I think express something of this, this. They express something of the angst and the anguish and the kind of, how long, O oh Lord, and we're in difficulties, oh God, and when are you going to break through, oh God? And sometimes our churches can be categorized by kind of happy clappy. You know, we just sing the happy songs. Actually, if you look into the Bible, there's laments, there's frustrations, the Bible doesn't ignore our human condition. It speaks right into it. It doesn't say, pull yourself together. It says, it, God meets us where we are. And this chapter here, Isaiah 54, is a real lament. The people of God are going through real difficulties. It's almost—it's after 53, which is the suffering servant on the cross. It hasn't yet come through to Isaiah 60, which is the glory of the Lord is arisen, but something of that in the grave sense is happening. And there's something about Isaiah 54 where the people of God are crying out to God and God's saying to them, actually, I'm going to do something. I'm going to turn your mourning into joy. I'm going to do something for you. Something's going to happen where even the barren, even those who are not producing fruit, even those who are in trouble and difficulty and pushed down and squashed are going to sing again for joy. There's a new morning coming. And of course, we see that prophetically in the new morning of Easter morning, the Sunday when Jesus is alive. And it's like the people of God are led out of exile and into freedom. Now that's this is talking about that's what is going to be happening now in their actual circumstances they have been taken out of israel the people of god and they are in captivity in babylon and in babylon they're oppressed they're depressed they're in difficulty they're in trouble and it's like they can't sing songs of joy anymore because they're enslaved in Babylon. They've been taken out of the promised land and they've been put in this land of oppression as, as servants and slaves. In fact, the Babylonians used to taunt them. You'll know this from a famous Christmas song. Actually, it's in the Bible. It says this in Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon. No, we won't go there. By the, ri- by the rivers of Babylon... We sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. Our captors asked us for songs of joy. Sing to us one of those songs of Zion. Give us a happy song. And we said, how can we sing the songs of the Lord when we're in a foreign land? How can we sing these songs of joy when we're so depressed? And Isaiah is prophetically speaking into all that. And he's saying, something's going to happen where even those who are depressed and suppressed and pushed down are going to sing songs of joy again. And actually, it's going to be even greater than the joy of childbirth. Now, that's what I said this chapter is a bit difficult for us and for me to speak about because Anne and I haven't had the privilege and the pleasure of naturally giving birth, of having children of our own. In fact, we used to go through a time when people would keep prophesying over us. Oh, you know, don't worry, you haven't got children, but you've got lots of spiritual children. I remember Anne saying to me, well, if somebody else prophesies over that, over us, I am going to slap them. <laughs> and if you knew Anne, <laughs> it wasn't metaphorical. <laughs> she kind of really meant it. But actually, this passage, and I haven't read it yet, but i read it at the moment. I want to give you the context of it so you get the power of it when I read it. This passage is saying, I'm going to do something amongst you where even the barren one is going to better sing for her songs of joy, because it's going to be like something greater than natural childbirth is going to happen. And in their society, actually, if you were not able to bear children, it was a shame on you and your family. And he said, actually, the barren one, the ones that are pushed down, the ones that are depressed, the ones that are suffering difficulties, something even more wonderful than childbirth is going to happen to them. They're going to... Burst into song because they've got more children than the fruitful one. What does that mean? What is that all about? Well, I believe it's talking about the new birth, and it's fascinating just to hear Rupert singing about new birth and born again. And, you know, that's, that's not a normal song you kind of hear on a Sunday morning about it. It's was, was so fascinating this morning. You know, it's like, born, that's a Billy Graham rally song, you know. But actually, he's talking about being, and he's saying, Isaiah saying something's going to happen, something's going to burst forth, something's going to happen amongst you where actually even though you may still be barren naturally, even though you may still be in your difficulty, you're going to be so rejoicing because something more wonderful has happened. What could be more wonderful than that? I'll tell you what could be more wonderful than natural children, spiritual children. It's actually celebrating people being born again. It's celebrating new birth. It's celebrating the kingdom breaking in and people getting saved and God doing some wonderful things amongst you. Now, that's a very long introduction to a very short passage. Let's just read this passage. This is Isaiah 54, and we're going to... Well, I'll read down just for completeness to verse 5, but really I'm just going to pick up a couple of verses because we haven't got time to look at it all. (laughs) So, here we go. Sing, O barren woman you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman, the barren woman, than of her who has a husband. How does that work? Well, this is what the Lord says, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, don't hold back, Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left, and your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. It's talking about coming back to the land. Don't be afraid. You're not going to suffer shame. Right now, they're afraid and shameful because they're in this foreign land. Don't be a fear disgrace. You won't be humiliated. You'll forget the shame of your youth. And remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. And he is called the God of all the earth. And he will bring you back. Lord Jesus, I thank you that this is fulfilled in you. I thank you, Lord, that they get a little bit of an echo of that in Babylon, when they're brought out of the land. But I thank you, Jesus, that this is finally fulfilled in you. You are the one, Lord, who's caused the barren to sing for joy. You're the one, Lord, who's caused the depressed to shout with joy. You're the one, Lord, who's called the suppressed and the pushed down to rejoice because your kingdom has come in glory and power and authority. And this morning, Lord, we thank you that your kingdom is breaking into our meeting. Your authority, your power, your love, your mercy, your grace is breaking into our lives. And sometimes you heal us gloriously and set us free wonderfully. And sometimes you don't, but we still get this inexpressible and glorious joy because God is with us and God is amongst us. And we thank you for your presence with us in Jesus' name. Amen. There was partial fulfillment of this prophecy a few years later when there was a change of regime, a regime change in the Middle East. I'm sure we can't imagine that ever happening. But there was a regime change when Cyrus, king of Persia, took over Babylon and actually started to release the captives, started to release people back to their homelands. And great swathes of people came out of captivity and came back to the land. But even when that happened, and even when they rebuilt the temple... Even when they rebuilt that which was fallen, they rebuilt Jerusalem and particularly rebuilt the temple. When that happened, it's the end of the Old Testament. It's like there's great rejoicing. Wow, we're back in the land. Wow, the temple is back here. But it said the older ones didn't weep for joy. They wept for sadness because the glory of the Lord hadn't come back. The The glory of this house wasn't like the glory of the latter house. It wasn't as glorious as Solomon's day. The glory of the Lord hadn't come and filled the temple so that the priests fell down and worshiped the Lord. And the prophets then pick up and say, no, but it will be. The glory of this latter house will be as glorious. In fact, it will surpass that glory for one day the Lord will come back to the temple. One day he will come. And hundreds of years later, two very old people. It's interesting the old people in the temple wept because their glory wasn't there in the Old Testament. Step into the New Testament, two very old people are in the temple. And Mary and Joseph come to dedicate Jesus, the glory of the Lord. God with us, Emmanuel. And Anna and Simeon get it they simeon takes the glory of the lord he takes jesus in his arms and says now lord let your servant depart in peace i've seen the glory of the lord the glory of the lord is back in the temple he's back god's back god's with us he's come he is emmanuel and somehow simeon and anna get a glimpse of what jesus is going to be doing and then jesus through his life and ministry Brings God back to Israel, brings the glory of the Lord back, starts to do temple business actually shamefully and ironically and offensively, not in the temple. In the temple was the only place where you could get healed, but he goes and does it in the streets. The temple was the only place where the lame and the blind and the lepers could be restored. Jesus does it in the streets. The temple is the only place on planet Earth where the priest could confidently say, your sins are forgiven. Jesus does it in the streets and the homes. Rise up, your sins are forgiven. He's the living embodiment of the temple. God's back, God's glory is back. His presence is back with them. And that's what this psalm, or rather this portion of Isaiah and the the other Psalms are celebrating, they're celebrating actually when Jesus comes in his glory, there's going to be great shouts of joy, there's going to be great celebration, there's going to be great breakthrough of the kingdom of God. There is joy in the house of the Lord. Why? Because God is back in the house, because God is back in person, in Jesus, incarnate with them. Now we know now Because the writers of the New Testament, that actually we become the living temple. We become the dwelling place of the Lord. When two or three are gathered in my name, we have a religious meeting. No, when two or three gather in my name, there am I in the midst. I come, I dwell, I presence myself with them. So when we meet like this, there is great rejoicing. There is great breakthrough. Why? Because God is with us. Sing for joy, O barren one. Do you feel barren this morning? You feel like there's, you haven't had your personal breakthrough. You haven't had that thing which you're asking for. You haven't yet even experienced that. Now, one day that will happen. One day there'll be, an, as it says in the end of Isaiah, a new heaven, a new earth. One day all tears will be wiped away. But right now, you feel like you haven't got it. Right now, you haven't had that breakthrough. But do you know what? Even the barren one can sing for joy in the house of the Lord. Why? Because God's doing amazing things amongst us. What is he doing specifically? Specifically in this setting, he's giving new children. What does that mean? Causing people who didn't know him to be born again. To experience new life and new birth. And I believe prophetically, God wants to speak to Jubilee. And say it's time for crying babies to be heard again. It's time for new birth in this place. It's time for the barren, the one who's depressed, the one who's got difficulty, actually to look beyond their own circumstances and say, actually, this is wonderful. We've got new birth happening all around us. I'm going to rejoice because God's doing something wonderful. God wants to bring new life, new birth, salvation, breakthroughs. And that's going to result in you having fantastic, inexpressible, amazing joy in God, there is nothing, in the natural, there's nothing more joyful than having children. In the supernatural, there's nothing more joyful than seeing people born again. Nothing more joyful than that. Right, yeah. The Ammonias were with us in Jubilee side, and we just had a celebration, I think it was back in October, November, when we celebrated 20 years. I can't believe it was 20 years. I think you were just born Lizzie, you know, you, no, you weren't just born, you were, how old were you? Two, there you go, that's just sort of just born, really. Um, <laughs> he said ignorantly, but <clears throat> it was amazing, 20, 20 years ago, uh, the Ammonias and the Simpkins were part of the start of Jubilee Church side. and the thing that marked that church out, I think more than anything, was our new birth rate, was the fact that we kept seeing people born again and added to the church, added to the church, we stopped count at 100 and I don't mean just a hundred people who put hands up in meetings, some people people in, who committed in, were baptized in water, filled with the Holy Spirit, came to small groups, life groups, whatever you call them, whatever name we put on them these days. they were part of a community. And there was great rejoicing in there. That's the thing we rejoice most of. And we went back to this 20th celebration, and what caused Anne and I to rejoice most that day? was not, that, oh, we started a church, we've done well, we've done this, we've done... No, it was actually the number of people that came to us and said, I got saved in Jubilee, I got saved in Jubilee, I got saved in Jubilee. I got... And that, that, we came away just like Cheshire cats, the grin was all over our faces. Why? Because God has given the barren children. And God wants to give you children. Now, the other day, I was in a new church plant situation, The end of this last year, the end of 2018, I was in a new church plant situation, a church we're planting in Crewe, and I've got the lady's permission to tell this story. I was approached by a lady called Demi at the end of the meeting, and she said, oh, hi, I'm Demi, you don't know me. I said, no, you're right, I don't know you. She said, well, do you remember at Devoted? How many of us were at Devoted? Quite a few of us. Do you remember at Devoted you preached on David and Goliath? I said, yes, I do remember that, funny enough, seeing as that was the only preach I did, and uh, (laughs) <laughs> at that weekend. And she, said, yes, and she said, do you remember at the end you call people forward who've got Goliaths in their life and they need to declare that they're defeated? And yes, I do remember that. She said, well, I came forward. She said, do you remember specifically saying this doesn't just affect you physically, but it can affect you mentally and emotionally? Actually, I really do remember that because I struggled big time with that. I can go for physical healing, but to talk about mental healing, to talk about issues of depression and the mind, I felt, can I even go there? You know, can we even declare that that Goliath could come down? Could I even do that? Or is it much better to say get a counsellor and get some help? And, and I was struggling big time with that. And I remember people praying for me just before the meeting. And I remember one of our prophetic people saying, Go for it, Jeremy God's you must go for this. And so you know, people said, Oh, you seem very confident on the stage. I wasn't actually. I was quite battling with it. And that was my David and Goliath. It was my Goliath I was battling with. Anyway, we went for it and said, if you've, got, if you've even got mental health issues, we could see a breakthrough tonight. Now, we weren't promising breakthrough for everyone, but fascinatingly, just hearing story after story afterwards of people who were dramatically touched by God. And Demi said, I was one of those. She said, you don't know this. And again, I've got a permission to tell the story. She said, I was severely sexually abused as a child, And that has left me with massive trust issues. It's left me with massive mental health issues. In fact, for 10 years, I've been under the doctors. I've been under all the pills and potions and counseling courses you can imagine. And nothing has caused me to break through. In fact, at Devoted, I was in a very backslidden situation, living with a non-Christian man, uh, having a child with him, and just really having all sorts of issues. I was kind of dragged along to the camp. And she said, and then suddenly, you speak on this, I responded, and she said, and someone called Ginny, Ginny Bergen from Sheffield, as some of you know on our team, someone called Ginny prayed for me afterwards, and she said, the amazing thing is this, my depression totally lifted, I mean, totally lifted, totally wet, and she thought, oh, maybe it's just a feel-good factor at the end of the meeting. That was in August, I'm talking to her in November, she said, Week after week after week, day after day, month after, I'm totally clear, I'm totally set free. I have not had any more mental health issues since that day. Now, that's worth rejoicing about. However, this is the best bit of the story. Of course, she's living with this non-Christian guy that they've got a baby with, and that's kind of complicated, isn't it? It's not easy to sort out. Living with a non-Christian, got a baby together, what do you do? Well, anyway, we... She just starts to talk to this guy about what God's done. And, of course, he's heard it all before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, actually, there's real change in your life. Actually, if there is a God, this is the sort of thing that he might do. Actually, I think he has done something. Actually, I think I'd like to know a bit more about this God. Actually, I'm going to come to church on Sunday and hear... A bit about it. So he comes to church a couple of Sundays later. He gets gloriously, wonderfully saved. They are now man and wife, husband and wife. They got married last month. That is the good news story. That's what we rejoice about. Yes, healing has come. Yes, the Baron have rejoiced. But actually, what's the bigger? She said, the bigger thing is not my depression lifting. The bigger thing is my man become a christian and we're now and I had the privilege of meeting Dan her husband and he was just a great guy and you think wow god you've done something in this family i believe that's a prophetic picture of what god wants to do here in jubilee yeah. messy complicated impossible situations You know, impossible. You couldn't unravel it. You couldn't, all the counselling and all the pills and potions haven't been able to unravel it. God does something wonderful, and it results not just in healing, but in salvation, which is the biggest healing of all. The kingdom of God breaking in. Dear friends, I believe God wants to promise you great joy, great rejoicing. One of the words that means jubilee in the Old Testament has a sense of celebratory joy about it. And if we're going to call a church jubilee, I believe we need to see more celebratory joy and I believe we're going to have lots to celebrate in the coming weeks and months ahead. I was talking to Anne about this and she said, well actually, I want to come in on a little bit about joy myself. So Anne.
1: So I've been very much stirred about joy lately and In my Bible, in Galatians 5, the fruit, of the spirit, the list is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, etc. Now, I don't know whether you, if you go shopping in a supermarket, you ever look at the back of a packet of food or a tin of food and you see the ingredients. We're much more ingredients aware today, I think, but they list the ingredients generally in order of volume. So the first ingredient you find on the back, that's the greatest volume in the can or the packet of food you are buying. So I've just taken the license of Galatians 5, love, joy, peace. So I'm assuming, I think I've got license to say this, that God put love first and then joy second. But often we talk about love and we talk about peace, but we don't often talk about joy of the Lord in our lives. I'd like to share a little personal story of mine from, is I'm okay up here or is it better down there? Oh, thank you, I'm just checking because I'm popping a bit. Um, About about 30 years ago, uh, a a very good friend, believe it or not, came up to me and she said to me, Anne, your laugh does you no favors. Many of you do know me in here. And that is who I am. Jeremy, I think, married me because I was somebody who liked having fun. I laughed a lot. I was a PE teacher. You don't find on the whole PE teachers tend to mess around a lot. Um, We enjoy life. Uh, We're supposed to be teaching, but, you know, we generally are having fun and get paid for it at the same time. And it really, at that time, crushed me, and it crushed Jeremy. Because what do you do with that? Jeremy was an elder in the church. I was... His wife, but I was Anne. I wasn't an eldest wife. I was Anne, um, and there's a lot of pressure put on me to conform and be who I wasn't. Who God hadn't made me that way, and it was a real struggle for us for some time. And then, it wasn't long after there was a conference that a whole about three thousand of us went to. In Brighton at the time, and it was the days of an amazing man called John Wimber who really opened up the door of the Holy Spirit to us more than we 'd ever experienced before and He stood on the stage in that auditorium, he finished his preach, and he just stood there, and he said, "Right, come holy Spirit and I was in the central little block of the auditorium with the rest of the folks from our church. And he just put his hand out like this. And as he started to move his hand round, the people on the balcony on that side started to laugh. And I, I just love infectious laughter anyway. If you get somebody that is like that, and we had somebody like that in Teesside, lovely lady who, when she started laughing, that was the end of the meeting, basically. But the laughter happened. And as he took his arm round the whole auditorium. Laughter broke out. The joy of the Lord broke out right across 3,000 people. We were on the floor. We were totally out. We were blitzed with laughter. And God restored his joy to me, which was just wonderful. And I haven't gone back since, as some of you know. So um, over the last few years... Uh, not the last, last few years, the last few, yes, last couple of years, I've had many prophetic encouragements about bringing joy into God's house, to God's people, which has been so exciting for me to be involved with, to encourage people to enjoy God and enjoy the Lord for who He is. And even recently, um, we were in one of the many hotels we stay in. Um, I was having honey with my porridge. And it's the tip tree um, little jars you get that sometimes people take home when they shouldn't. Um, (laughs) I did have the honey out of this jar. But I've had one of these jars since. But in this lid, Jeremy just noticed, it says spread a little joy. And I was going to speak, as I'm speaking now, on joy that morning at the event we were at. And I've had these honey jars since, and I haven't found another one we spread a little joy. And I haven't nicked that many either. So, um, if I don't think I've ever nicked any of those. Yeah, other things one can take home um, freely. So, let me just, sorry, I'll, I'll try and be serious again. Okay. So, let me just bring some scriptures to you, just a few. Romans 14, the kingdom of God is not a matter of just eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy. In the Holy Spirit, you know you know these scriptures, most of you, one Peter one verse eight, though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an unspeakable or inexpressible and glorious joy nehemiah eight the joy of the Lord is our yeah, our strength. And that's my uh, point I want to make. It isn't just about laughter. There's an inner joy, the joy of salvation. Uh, even this morning, everything that came this morning, the contributions that was leading us and making us recognize where we are, our salvation, the joy of salvation, which is deep down within us, that inner strength, a joy of the Lord in us, can cause us to And help us to walk forward, to walk tall, to walk strong in the joy of the Lord. And we need to recognize and ask God to give us that back again. Because I think some of us, we've had it stolen from us. And I I am just concerned that we don't walk in that, in that joy. That people can see us like that couple, the young man in that. He saw something different in his now wife. And that is the joy of the Lord. I truly believe. I recently um, prayed with a, lady, a young lady called Elizabeth and at a, another conference we, event we were at, and she was quite upset, very tearful over circumstances involving her parents and, inf- and some friends in their church, and it really was causing her to be quite miserable and upset about what was going on. So I prayed with her and, you know, she was tearful. But then I just asked God to bring that river of joy, for it to, that river of joy to bubble up from deep within her. And as I did that, she did start to laugh. And that was the manifestation from coming through that prayer. Later on that morning, I encouraged her to go and pray for others who were responding to the talk we were bringing. And as she prayed for people the river of joy started to flow through them. And I really feel also we don't go and pray and give away some of this stuff that God gives us. We often keep it to ourselves. When God gives us something, he wants us to give it away so others get blessed through what we've received. Just one little quote to finish with. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. However, it is released only by making the decision not to allow adverse circumstances to rule your emotional and mental attitudes. Through joy, we can receive strength to do things that would otherwise be impossible.
0: Possible,
1: possible. possible, So, sing,
0: O barren woman, burst into song. Shout for joy. And the second part, and I'm only going to do two. There was a four, this was a 4 up, but we're only going to do the second part of it, not the other two. second part is this. Because of that, because of what's going to happen, because that you are going to see many people added, born again, because you're going to be rejoicing in the joy of your salvation and the joy of people being born again, it says this. Enlarge your tent. Get a bigger house. Get a bigger tent. Now, in our society, uh, we go and move house. We sell a house and buy a bigger barn, don't we? Some, some of us buy bigger barns, and uh, one day they'll even live in it. But uh, <laughs> little joke, sorry, little dig there. So um, they're hoping it will happen, I'm sure. But in the Middle East, particularly when they were nomadic people, living in desert, actually the way you enlarged your tent was not to sell a tent and buy a new one, was actually literally to enlarge the tent that you have. And the tent speaks of the house of God. It speaks of the temple, David's tent, David's temple, the tabernacle, the tent, who we are, the church. And I believe the Lord would say to you, enlarge your tent. Now, it doesn't mean about getting a bigger building, It's about the church building. It's about your influence. It's about who you are as a people of God. God says, I am bringing enlargement to you. That means lots of people being born again and added to you. And therefore, the structure of your church, the structure of your reach and your influence needs to go wider, needs to be bigger, needs to be more influential. And what they would literally do in the Bedouin tent, they would literally sew on some new fabrics or skins or whatever uh, cloth or material they had. They'd sew that on, three phases. One, they'd sew it on. Then secondly, they'd pull up some new supports or some pillars or some stakes. And then thirdly, they'd kind of pull it up with these new cords. They'd put some new guide ropes on it, if you like. And that's exactly what's happening here. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Lengthen your cords, the guide ropes, and strengthen your stakes. And I just want to bring this into a landing now, and I want us to pray for some people, because I believe this is what God would say to you prophetically as Jubilee Church. I am going to give you growth And I want you to make room for that growth in your leadership structures, in your church structures. I want you to give room for this. And some of you are going to be raised up as pillars, as stakes. Now, don't just think church leadership, because this is as much about community leadership as it is church leadership. In fact, that's what church leadership should be not just about a gathering here, but when we go to work. So what are we now? We're quarter to 11 on a Sunday. What are you doing at, sorry, quarter to 12 on a Sunday? That frightened you, didn't it? Quarter to to 12 on a Sunday. What 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 will you be doing at quarter to 12 tomorrow? That's where God wants you to lead. That's where God wants to raise up some stakes. That's where God wants to raise up some influence. And some of you are going to be raised up as leaders in the church in terms of, Untraditional understanding of church leadership, deacons and elders, etc., etc. But many more of us are going to be raised up as pillars in the community, as leaders in mental health, as leaders in the judiciary, as leaders in community outreach, as leaders amongst the poor and the marginalized, as leaders in the arts and creative world. God's going to raise, God's going to stretch wide. Your tent is too small, Jubilee. God wants to raise it up. He wants to, he wants to bust us out of these walls and stretch out a tent into your community. Stretch out a tent into your office. Stretch out a tent to your school. Stretch out a tent into where you live and where you have coffee and where you go for a drink and where you go for a meal and where you go to play sport and hang out. God wants you to have influence in that. And many of you, He's going to raise up like stakes in that community that are going to support the canvas, and many people are going to find shelter. Amen. So you, you, need, you need all three to happen. You need the tent wide, you need the stake strong. But if you just have tent wide and stake strong, it's like the tent will just come over the stake and it doesn't, there's no room. We need the guide ropes to pl- lengthen, to pull out. And that is, I think, every single one of us, however small or ineffective you might feel, you might think, I'm not a steak. Yeah. But actually, you are a guide rope. And actually, if you go camping, come to Devoted in the summer, <laughs> and you know if you don't tie down those guide ropes properly, if you don't stake those down, if you, don't pin the, if you don't put the guide ropes on properly, it all looks fine, but the first puff of wind and the whole thing's over. God wants his structure to stand. God wants his structure to be stable and to bring security and cover and protection and life and strength and health to a dying world. How's that going to happen? Jubilee, stretch your tent flaps wide. Some of you, stand firm, stand strong, be stakes in the community. And others of us, it's like we attach our guide rope, however small it might feel, we attach our guide ropes to that tent and we're going to pull it wider, pull it wider, pull it. And that might be, how do you do that? That might just be in prayer, pull it wider. it. It might be in giving, pull it wider. It might be in support and love and care, pull it wider, pull it wider. God's causing every one of us to be active in this. Now, I said we'd bring this in for a landing. If you feel that God is calling you to be a stake in the community, now whether that could be church leadership, traditional understanding of church leadership, but I'm widening it to leadership in the community, business, arts, health, education, poor, poor, marginalized, whatever. If you feel that's who I am, however flimsy you feel right now, it says strengthen the stakes and we want to strengthen you. And one of the ways you strengthen a stake is in prayer and we want to strengthen who you are in God. So if that's you, if you feel that, I wonder if you would stand right now. It's going to be quite a few of you. Now some of you might be surprised You might think they don't look very stake like But this is an act of faith. This is an act of saying, God has called me to be a load-bearing person in the kingdom of God, in my community, in my family, in my office, in my neighborhood, in my place of influence. Now, is wonderful it's a great response by the way the rest of us it's not oh that's it now no the rest of us we are the cords we're the support ones to these people now you might be a visitor here if you're a visitor here don't feel under any pressure to get involved with this or if you're a visitor and you're kind of happy to do it feel free to but what i'd like the rest of us who are sitting down you are now the ministry team the rest of us what i'd like you to do is prophetically go and stand with one of these people. I'm assuming it's somebody you know and care for. And, and what you're saying is, as you stand up, as you are strong, as you are a load-bearing stake, I want you to know that my cord is with you. I want you to know that my little tiny guide rope is supporting you in prayer, in love, in care in concern, in finance, maybe. But I'm going to be with you. I'm supporting you. Now, you know, we're not taking names. This is no great big statement. It's not like, oh, today, you know, we're so-and-so, or, or they, they went and prayed with that, therefore. No, this is a, a prophetic picture. And actually, it's okay, even if you're sitting down, and you go, I'm not quite sure who to go for. Just go for somebody where there isn't anybody else. Just go and support them. So I wonder what would happen now if the rest of us who are sitting down could just go and stand with... These folks. So somebody is with everybody. Chaos, I know. Don't pray yet. Don't pray yet. Just go and stand with them. If you are a visitor and you feel more comfortable sitting down, please stay sitting down. That's totally okay. But if you're a member of the church here and part of this community, I'm asking you, if you physically can stand, to go and stand or sit with somebody. Now, because I'm a good pastor... Ho-ho, not that good, But because I'm a good pastor. I just want to make sure that everybody's covered, and I can't quite see it at the moment. If, if you can't feel a hand on your shoulder, if you can't feel a hand on your shoulder, or one or two, could you just wave at me? Because we don't know who, who yet hasn't got somebody with them. Is there anybody who hasn't got somebody? No, you've got somebody behind you, Dave. Just don't see them. <clears throat> Is there anybody? Right. What I'd like you to do now, and I'm going to be quiet so you can do the work of ministry, because that's Ephesians 4 ministry is to equip the saints for work of ministry. I want you to pray. Now, you might want to ask the person what they're standing for. You know what? You might actually just know. I know what this is because I'm your friend and I, I don't need to be told. I know what it is. But if you want to pray intelligently and you don't know, it's okay to ask. Because they've, like, they've stood up. And it's okay for you to say, no, what, what, what do you feel? And it might be that they're going to step into this next week. It might be they're going to step into it next year. It might be they're going to step into it next decade. And that's okay. Because God starts small with little seeds and grows big trees. It's not all about today or tomorrow. It's about a lifetime of giving yourself to the purpose of God. I'd like you to pray out loud. I'd like you to prophesy over them. I'd like you to say, I'm supportive. I'm with you. I stand with you. I bless you. I want to see you prosper and be blessed in the kingdom of God. You take up this load. You stand tall, because actually we all get blessed as you do that. Is that okay, guys? You go for it. I'll put it back together in the end with one final prayer. You do this now for five minutes. Keep your hands on them. And now, Lord, we want to prophesy over Jubilee Church Derby. We want to prophesy growth. We want to prophesy new birth. We want to prophesy the joy of multiple births, the joy of multiple children. We want to speak, Lord, salvation, baptism in water, joining the church. We want to prophesy life to this church Lord we want to prophesy signs and breakings in of the kingdom and therefore Lord we want to speak strength to these pillars Lord as we stretch our tent curtains wide we prophesy strength and stability and breakthrough and life to these pillars and we say Lord those of us that are in this church we're supporting we're with you we're praying for you. We're giving. We're giving our lives. We're giving our hearts. We're giving our homes. We're giving our finances. We're giving ourselves to this because we believe in your kingdom. We believe, Lord, that you want to see breakthrough in Derby and to the nations. And therefore, we pray what is said in this scripture. We will not be afraid. We will not suffer shame. We will not fear disgrace. We will not be humiliated. Why? Because the Lord, who is our husband and our maker, is with us. And we thank you, Lord, that ultimately this is all about you. It's not about us doing something, us stepping up. It's all about the Lord, who is our husband. The Lord, who is our maker. The Lord is the one who gives breakthrough. One plants, one sows, one waters, but the Lord is the one who gives multiplication. He gives growth. He gives the breakthrough. And therefore, Lord, we end this where we started this morning. It's all about your grace. It's all about your goodness, your kindness, your mercy. You're the one who's building your church, Lord. You're the one who's going to give breakthrough. It's your kingdom that's coming. And therefore, Lord, we pray, strengthen what you're doing here. We ask that in and through the precious name of our Lord Jesus. Amen